Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where you get information and motivation for your crypto life and your life in general. I'm your host today, Ms. Naja Roberts, a.k.a. Young Harriet, and it is my mission to lead my people out of financial slavery. I am really excited today. I just know that we are on the brink of some fabulous uh, lifestyle, some fabulous education, and I'm just really excited about what the future holds for our community. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about church and crypto. So, remember, I'm the one that told you that we can tie anything that you're doing to cryptocurrency. And so today we are absolutely going to talk about church and crypto. So I'm going to give you all a little bit of time to take out your phones or pick up your phones and text your pastors, your deacons, your deaconesses, your motherboard, whoever you think needs to hear this good information that I am about to share about how churches can tie into cryptocurrency. This is a safe space and no matter what and how we have been working over the years, you know, I'm this is this is totally a safe space. And I want to make sure that anybody who has any questions or anything that they would like to ask or comments, I should say, you can reach out to me at 800-920-1580. Again, 800-920-1580. I will answer those questions. But today we are talking about church and crypto. And with that being said, this entire show from start to finish will be talking to and geared towards our black religious organizations and what we can actually do to revive what has been our staple in the black community. And I'm not saying that it's dead. So don't get that wrong. You don't get that in that respect. Uh, But I want to make sure that we are always instead of surviving that we're thriving. And we're going to talk a little bit about what I see in the space uh, as an ex-financial advisor, as well as a cryptocurrency influencer and coach and all the things that I do in this space. Uh, But while you're uh, taking out your phones to just reach out to maybe just somebody that sits on a pew with you at one of those um, at one of the churches so that they can hear this information. You all can hear it together uh, while you're doing that and making sure that they're downloading the app. I am going to actually honor one of our next women in the Bitcoin and blockchain space because this month is women's her story month. And so we're going to talk today about a young lady by the name of Lavinia Osborne. She is the founder and host of Women Blockchain Women in Blockchain Talks, which is a female-led education platform in the UK. Now, something that you all don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is that in other countries while we are really being specific about things that are happening here in the United States. In other countries, there is a huge move, a massive move for African-Americans in those areas to get involved in cryptocurrency. And so this lady is running and working on things in the UK, in the United Kingdom, where women can network and learn about blockchain. She recently uh, started getting started working on having a revolutionary space to really change adoption as it relates to African-American women, 
uh, and I said African-American, but African women uh, in the UK uh, because they need a place to be able to come and just talk to each other and really have a, a place to open up. And because they're really feeling like they're lonely out there in the UK, I've done a couple of com um conferences for them and you know they are really looking to pull together and what they did was they found 50,000 women in the UK that they could pull together to start to learn about blockchain and really be the difference that they wanted to see in their community instead of waiting on other folks to do it and so today for our women's history month celebration celebratory services I'm going to say it that since we're talking about church I am going to uh, say again to Miss Lavinia Osborne we thank you for all that you do in the space and we really really appreciate what you are bringing to us and then also your being a amb ambassador in the Middle East for women that are voiceless uh, women that have been marginalized. And this is really some, I want to say some dangerous work that she does in that respect um, because she's speaking up for those women who absolutely know that they cannot speak up because they'll get stoned or whatever else happens uh, in those traditional uh, senses in those traditional type communities. And so I just want to say to Lavinia, we appreciate you continue to do what you do in this space. Blockchain is better because of you and blockchain is going to continue to grow. And all the technologies that are built on the blockchain are going to continue to grow because you're bringing fabulous women into this space to help them understand and create. So ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, I hope you have your pastor, tuned in to KBLA or your first lady or anybody else that you want to hear this information because I have some information that I feel can absolutely change some things around the church or around the religious organization that you are affiliated with. This is Naja Roberts and we are listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve. This is KBLA Talk 1580. We have a lot to talk about. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you have your pastors on the line now and they're listening to KBLA or any of your other church members that you reached out to really quickly so they can get this information. I am definitely one of those um, believers that was born and raised in church and, and spent the majority of my time growing up in church and it was really instilled inside of me uh, to pay my tithes. Paying my tithes was absolutely important. We did it as children. And, you know, as they say, as you train, whatever, however you train up a child in whatever way, that is the way that they will go and, and they won't depart from it. And so I've always been a firm believer, no matter what I've done, is to make sure that I'm always giving my tenth uh, to God for um, the most high for all the things that he has done and, and is going to do. And in that respect, um, you know, even when I dibbled and dabbled 
and, and converted to Islam at one point in my life, uh, I still gave zakat. And the zakat, if you read the Quran, it still talks about giving 10%. And where am I going with this is it, no matter what your religious belief is, um, it is my understanding that we are all in some shape, form, or fashion giving and donating to the Most High through your religious organization. And so I have some quick stats that I found that I would like to share with you. And these are some really big numbers. So I need you to really try to internalize what I'm about to share so you can see what we could possibly do with this. The stat that I found that was back from 2019. And the reason I couldn't find anything 2020 and 2021, for those of you that are really deep in the religious space or understanding that churches are changing. A lot of things are online. Giving is changing. There are so many different things that have changed uh, because of COVID. So I couldn't really find any substantial current numbers. So what I did was I went back to where we have some solidness and that was 2019. And according to black economic, and that's the actual publication, black churches collected 800 billion dollars in a 10 year period. Now that's billion with the B in 10 year period. Now I always have to make sure that you're understanding uh, and putting in proper perspective what I'm talking about as it relates to cryptocurrency. Now think about the fact that cryptocurrency has been around that same 10 year period. And what if someone had talked to our churches a little bit earlier, but I'm just going to say this because we're talking a 10 year period, $800 billion that was actually collected from uh, parishioners uh, from all different sorts of black uh, churches and mosques and synagogues, etc. So every Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and this is a current stat, black religious organizations across the United States only put $220 million in the bank every Monday morning. And there has been, uh, this has been done for as long as we can document. We know that after church on Sunday, you know, the bank is open Monday morning and that is the day that that money goes into the bank. And if you were listening in uh, to um, our episode number one, it will help you frame what I'm about to say, and I'm only going to skim over it because we got to move on to some real facts and some action steps for our community. But the banks, the Federal Reserve Banking System, which we heard about how it was actually created and who is controlling it, has been who you are giving your uh, your the tithing money to or the zakat money to on every Monday morning. So here is my controversial thought today that every black church, mosque, synagogue, temple take the money that they raise from Monday through Sunday and they take it and put it into a black bank. Well, I guess that's not such a novel idea because we've been talking about that for years. Some folks do it right now and some folks don't. But that's not where I'm stopping. But if each one of our religious institutions not only puts their money in a black bank, but then turns around and takes 10 percent of that 220 million dollars every Monday and puts it in Bitcoin, it would be a game changer. 
I mean, an absolute game changer because of what Bitcoin has done over the last 200, I mean, excuse me, over the last 10 years, I was about to say 200 years, over the last 10 years, which was actually 13, we've got a 200% value raise um and it's just an incredible thing when you start to look back and and start to think about what we could have done but now i want you to think about what we could do moving forward again this is a game changer i am a firm believer that if we continue to do what we've always done we're going to continue to get what we've always gotten and there is also a quote that has not been mis- misrepresented yet. It states that insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And I have to say to our community, because there is $220 million being put in Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, and all these other organizations uh, every single Monday morning, there is something different that that we need to be doing. And the reason why is because right now banks are foreclosing on some of those church properties. Family is not able to really help the church family is not able to sustain and keep a lot of the churches open. And there's different reasons that that's happening. And I'm not just saying uh, it's all because we're giving our money to the bank, but there's a lot of different things that are happening and we see it in order to make ends meet at some of these churches. We are doing the black church experience by day. And at night we're doing the, the Spanish church experience because they need some assistance in helping pay the mortgage or the rent or whatever. I sit on a lot of different boards. I do a lot of education. I told you all I used to be a financial advisor. I have sat with umpteen hundred pastors that don't even have life insurance. And how do I know this so well is because we always get the call when a pastor passes away that they are raising money for their funerals. Like there are some things that need to change. Um, And I believe that we have the answer economically for some of those things. There's a lot of pastors that for whatever reason, they don't have the proper salaries that they need. Now there's some, and, and I know you're saying on the flip side that there's a lot of pastors that are making a lot of good money. And I get that, but I really feel like uh, if pastors and and clergymen uh, have gone to school and, and, and it's a profession for them that they need to get paid accordingly for those things that they do. And I say paid accordingly. So we're not talking, Talking about going overboard. Uh, but I want to make sure that we understand that we have put our money in the bank all these years, our church money in the bank all these years, because we had no other option. But now there are other options. And I am asking our community to open your eyes, your ears, and your minds to what the possibilities could actually be if you started thinking about what you could do uh, to. Add cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, to your church's financial portfolio. So experts analyze this and and they talk about how we could potentially change our community in a massive way and improve the state of our communities in such an overwhelming fashion, um, you know, that. It's something that's never been done. And I have to say this, and it's it's no shade at all on my old pastor. He may be listening. Somebody may have called him and told him to listen in. But maybe in our building funds, we could actually build 
what we've been raising money for since I was a kid. You know, we always had these building funds, but nothing really got built. Like buildings were never actually purchased around our church. We did not buy up the blocks. There are so many things that we could have done with our community through our churches and through our synagogues and through our mosques. And some folks are doing it. And I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying for the most part, as many churches as we have sitting on blocks, we should have affected more change than we have in all these years. And so I believe that one of the biggest issues was again, stemming from uh, the economics. And if you're taking your money to the bank every single Monday and the bank is giving you nothing back, in fact, they're not only giving you nothing back, but they're not giving your parishioners loans for cars at a good interest rate. They're not giving them loans for houses at a good interest rate. There's so many things that the banks are not doing for us. And so as we look at Bitcoin and we look at self-sovereignty and we look at doing things on our own for ourselves, by ourselves, we can now see that there is hope. There is something that we can do to change those things. And so uh, it looks like we have a caller by the name of Morris, who is from Long Beach. I'm going to take a pause right there and answer the question. So welcome to the call. Uh, hello, sister. Good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, obviously, you love black people. That's obvious. I love uh, you. This is in your voice, your messaging. I want to talk to you a little bit about Bitcoin. Now, I was wondering, is, is Bitcoin a secure uh, investment? Because, you know, the government can come up with a lot of laws and, and they can take stuff away. And, and I was just wondering just how secure it is. I know that the U.S. Treasury dollars is pretty secure. Uh, but that's my question, how secure it is. And also regarding uh, 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 churches, there are 19,000 different Christian sects, and all of them are private businesses. And in my opinion, one of the things that would do good for black people is if we were to start what are called co-ops instead of working for somebody, we own the business. What do you think of them two ideas? And thank you for this time. Absolutely. And I appreciate you, Mr. Morris, for coming on and asking those questions. So let's start with Bitcoin and it's being secure and the government being able to confiscate it. If you take a look at what is happening right now over in Canada, yes, the government was able to confiscate some of their cryptocurrency and their monies as well. And the reason why is because they left them on an exchange or in the bank. So if you go back to, I believe, like our second or third episode, you will hear me talk about Bitcoin is about self-sovereignty. It is about controlling your Bitcoin. I'm going to say day one, because that's what we do at our exchange. We help you control your Bitcoin day one. You have what is called your private keys. That's what makes it secure. And I will give you this quick analogy, just in case you didn't hear my analogy, and maybe somebody else can uh, grab a hold of this too. When you own Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the house. You can give everybody in the world your personal, your, your address to your house because they can send you mail. They can drop a package at the door. You give out your address because it's a public address. That is the Bitcoin public address that you give to people to send you Bitcoin or to transact. But there is a private key to get inside your house that you never, ever give anybody. And that private key is what keeps your Bitcoin secure because only you know about it and only you are able to 
and, and let's just say you're you're married or you have children or you're you're leaving your legacy to your heirs, you would make sure that they have access to that private key to get in and unlock that blockchain to move that Bitcoin. Uh, but you would not give that to anybody else. So Bitcoin is 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 as secure as you make it. And so what we do in this space is really teach our community how to be safe and secure. There's a lot more to it than that. There's either what we call seed phrases that keep it secure. So that's either 12 or 24 words and they're random words like um, like talk. And then you'd have um, run, tree, grass. So they're random words, but those words are called mnemonic phrases or seed phrases. That is what gives you your security. Now you write those words down so that you and only you have them, but they are actually your private key to keep your Bitcoin secure. So let's really say quickly, because we're talking, you're talking about them being secure. Unless somebody gets a hold of your seed words, there is no way that they can acquire your Bitcoin unless uh, you leave it on an exchange such as Binance or crypto.com and someone gets in there and they hack the exchange. If they hack the exchange, they then can take your Bitcoin. But the reason why they're able to hack the exchange and take your Bitcoin and your Bitcoin is not secure is because Binance and crypto.com hold your private keys to what you bought. So yes, you bought it. You can log into their computer and you can see it. But for the most not for the most part, for the entire scenario, they actually own the private, your private keys. They never give you your private keys. It's not until you go and log into that website where you bought the Bitcoin and then move it from their exchange into your private personal wallet that has your own private keys. That is when your Bitcoin is the most secure. So if you look at the history of money, and gold, the United States did confiscate everyone's gold in 1933. And we have always said that it can absolutely happen right now in 2022. But the only way that they would get access to it is when you decide to allow Bank of America or Chase or one of these other banks that I'm going to caution you right now are in the process of figuring out how to hold your Bitcoin for you. That is an absolute no-no, but that is the only way to secure your Bitcoin is for you to hold it in a private wallet. That being said, Morris, I didn't forget your second question. We're going to answer that uh, when we come forward. And and this is KBLA Talk 1580. Be sure to follow and subscribe to all our socials at KBLA Talk 1580 on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. Stay in touch with us by downloading the all-new KBLA Talk 1580 app on your smartphone. Your smartphone. Carry the combo wherever you go. And keep it locked to the only talk station that gives you a voice. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. All right. Ahead of the crypto curve, I am Naja Roberts and talking to you today about church and crypto. And we just took a quick pause to talk to Mr. Morris about his questions. And his question was about co-ops and what I thought. And I think they're 
I think that they're absolutely awesome. I think that uh, our community needs to do more of collaborating uh, here in my business, here in business, especially in this cryptocurrency and blockchain space. I really feel like collaboration is the new business model. In fact, um, it's, just, it's just so many things that we can do differently than we've been doing in the past, because I really believe that if we as people really start to, to collaborate and co get into co-ops and do all sorts of different things, we will accomplish so much more uh, than being in our silos, um, you know, pulling against each other. And so I'm super excited about what the possibilities hold, because with cryptocurrency and blockchain technology comes another mindset. And I just think this is the right time. This is the right place. The transfer of wealth is happening and we can absolutely participate in it because if we know better, we do better. Now, let's jump back into churches and crypto. And so what needs to actually happen in order for your church to get involved with accepting and learning about cryptocurrency? Number one, um, your your pastor obviously has to be willing to learn if he does not already know or she does not already know or your religious leader. I shouldn't just say pastor, um, your religious leader. But what we offer is to come in and really educate the board, because I believe that you need to start from the top up, obviously the top down, and then you learn and get your board learning about cryptocurrencies. And again, the history, why we here, why we're doing what we're doing. Why is this thing called Bitcoin important? But more important than that, really starting to look at case studies of other communities that are already getting their churches involved in Bitcoin. And I like to show that on a personal note to other pastors and to other board members so that they can understand that what we're talking, what I'm talking about or what my team is sharing with you all is nothing new. They have been doing this for the past 10 years. I know uh, churches are putting Bitcoin in their portfolios. Uh, there is nothing in the IRS code that says that you can that you can't own uh, something like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is described as property. I'm not going to get into all the other cryptocurrencies and you holding all kinds of other coins, but we will talk about Bitcoin specifically. I know for a fact, because when I'm in these other circles with individuals that don't look like me, I am very mindful and watchful as to what they are doing specifically in the structure of their community to ensure that our community looks like theirs. So when I walk in these big, massive, beautiful churches that own the they own the, the elderly home across the street, the gas station around the corner and all of these other things is because they have economically put themselves in a position where they're letting their their money work for them and not them work for their money. And so I think that's one of the biggest changes that we can make in the church as well. Just like you would your own personal portfolio. You can add Bitcoin to that portfolio. And I'm not talking about this year or next year being able to burn the mortgage on the on the church. We're talking about what it looks like two, three, five years down the line when you started to do that dollar cost averaging. Yes, even for your church, because it is absolutely possible. If you are doing 10 percent of what you're putting in the bank that is going to sit there and get you nothing 
If you do 10% instead of the whole 100%, you just do 10%, uh, 90% at the bank and 10% in Bitcoin, you will absolutely see a difference. And I'm saying in the next two to three five years. Um, I can almost guarantee, I can't make any guarantees. I'm not going to make any guarantees, but I know what Bitcoin is doing and has done. And I'm really excited about it. And again, an implementation of 10% of what goes into the bank on a weekly basis, just to put it in Bitcoin, uh, in my opinion, would be a great, great start. And even if you didn't do 10%, even if you did 1% is better than nothing because you're not going to get 1% on your money in the bank. But um, as we're talking, again, I know right now that there are some organizations and there are some gentlemen that are really advocating for other churches to get into Bitcoin. And what they're talking to them about is about 30% of their um church money portfolio. I'll just put it that way, about 30%. And again, most of our churches don't have any. Uh, They don't have $30. They definitely don't have 30%. And so they're really hedging themselves against inflation, but they're also seeing that money is changing and they're positioning themselves right now so that their future is even brighter down the line. And if we know anything, uh, they are really, really into and making sure that their money is done properly and taken care of and that they are acquiring more and more and more of it. So in this respect, I would say watch what they're doing because they're definitely doing it is definitely happening. And again, I'm not providing any tax advice. So if there's any tax questions, I can't answer that. But I do know someone who can in reference to you and your church, but you will not lose your nonprofit non-taxpaying status uh, by holding Bitcoin in your endowment fund or in your treasury at your church. And so I wanted to share that. So what does this actually look like and how would this Sunday you be able to accept Bitcoin if somebody was willing to give it to you? Now I'm talking from the parishioner standpoint and then we're going to talk about from the donor standpoint because if you look in Google statistically More money is being given right now in cryptocurrency. And I'm not just talking about the Russia and the Ukraine issue, but more cryptocurrency is being given overall than anything else in history. Uh, Right now at this point, at this point, it's really incredible what's happening and how much uh, cryptocurrency, even regular everyday companies are bringing in. Churches don't have to be any different. We can take advantage of this. Religious organizations don't have to be any different. We can definitely take advantage of this. So what does it look like? Your donor, let's talk about your parishioner, the person that's sitting in the seat listening to the, the message from the Most High, um, decides that they want to give a donation. So maybe you take a QR code. A QR code is attached to the wallet. The wallet is owned or I shouldn't say owned, but the wallet belongs to the church. And we'll talk in just a second about how maybe those private keys should be kept. But the wallet is 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 owned by the church. The the wallet is put on the back of the bulletin, just like you would a Venmo or PayPal or a cash app address. And someone that wants to pay in Bitcoin can literally take out their cell phone, scan it. And that Bitcoin goes immediately into the church's wallet on Sunday. It's just that simple. That would literally take the church approximately 
two minutes to set up. But what I will say is a lot of the churches cannot get to that point because we've got to get you all understanding how Bitcoin works and this new monetary system and how money is changing and all those things. So that's why I suggest you start with education first before you try to push the congregation to uh, maybe donate in Bitcoin. I wouldn't want uh, all of our community donating in Bitcoin because I want them to stack their Bitcoin as well. But it is very, very convenient to be able to pay um, in Bitcoin when you're doing a donation. And so we do it all the time with our nonprofit. But then there are several churches, like I said, and there are some in our community that are already accepting all sorts of other cryptocurrencies. There are platforms that you can utilize to help you store your Bitcoin and help you uh, accept Bitcoin in your in your religious organization. So when we come forward, we are going to talk about exactly what our 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 religious organizations can do to get themselves set up. This is KBLA Talk 1580. We know you have options, but thank you. Thank you for making the best choice. The only station in LA of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. We're listening around the clock. Around the clock. And your time to be heard is right now. Right now. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Yes, we have a lot to talk about. And we are in the process of trying to understand if your church organization or your religious organization wants to accept Bitcoin specifically, they can accept any cryptocurrency they want, but I'm going to talk about Bitcoin specifically. What I am suggesting is that we, you know, get with your pastor. If it's, if you're not the pastor, get with your pastor to talk to him about the possibilities. We would then set up for us to come and talk to the board members, the, the deacon board and whoever else is a decision maker uh, and help them understand, first of all, what this new currency is and how it can possibly help the church, how down the line the church may be able to do some things that they've never been able to do in the past. And so we would be able to do a presentation for about an hour to share that information with them. And then we would work with the church after uh, everyone is a Agree to just really figure out what the most uh, what the the most simplest way to get the, the church and the congregation understanding Bitcoin. And of course, that would be with some sort of seminar or something of that sort as well, just so the church is savvy and the church understand understands what's going on and then we would help uh, with getting the payment structure set up. One of the biggest challenges we face when we deal with churches and are dealing with I'm dealing with a lot of different churches right now um, is who holds those private keys as I was just sharing with Mr. Morris a few minutes ago your private keys are those 24 or 12 words that you never ever give to anybody because if somebody has access to those 24 or 12 words then they can just go to the blockchain Unlock the blockchain with that private key and they can remove the Bitcoin from the blockchain and they can move it wherever they want and whatever other private wallet they want, because that is what uh, those private keys allow them to do. That being said, um, there has to be a mechanism put in place. Now, 
Multisig. We haven't talked about multisig and what that is. That is when multiple devices or multiple individuals hold a key at one time so that you either need two of three or three of three or however it's set up just like you would when you go to the bank. And when you're when the church has a bank account, there are two signatures and one person can't just sign and go get ten thousand dollars out of the bank. There needs to be both signatures and those signatures need to match. The same thing applies in cryptocurrency. You can get a multi sig wallet that allows you to have that security. So, again, how do, do, would a church function? Well, maybe the pastor has one of those three signatures and maybe the deacon, the head deacon has one of those or maybe someone else has it. But at all times, there's an ability for you ha to get access to your Bitcoin because two people would have to perform whatever that task is on that multi-sig wallet in order to be able to move the Bitcoin from place to place. And that is a really good thing, because in the event that something happens to somebody, one of those three individuals or something that are at the church, then at least those two are in place and then they can go in and, and add that additional third person again whoever that may be so I always talk to churches about making sure that you're engaging with a multi-signature type platform because unfortunately if the pastor holds all the private keys and something happens to the pastor God forbid uh, you you no longer have access to that Bitcoin that Bitcoin is lost forever or if something happens and um, you know we, we won't get to the negative side, but if something happens and the pastor's no longer there and he's the only one that holds the keys to the Bitcoin and he moves to his next church, well, then the Bitcoin, unfortunately, uh, will still reside on the blockchain through him because he has those private keys. So when we come forward, we're going to talk about our dollar cost averaging with the church and we're going to talk about uh, and, and other religious organizations. I have to remember that. Oh, and we're going to talk about our DCA a day, which we're doing for the next year. And we'll talk about what that looks like today as we move forward. This is KBLA 1580. Nobody's perfect, but everybody's important. Don't change the dial. We've got a lot to talk about. This is KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. Unapologetically progressive radio. Black owned and operated from the heart of Lamert Park, USA. From the heart of Lamert Park, USA. We're listening and the convo continues right now. Right now. Yes, yes, we are here. And this is KBLA Talk 1580 on the head of the crypto curve. And I am Naja Roberts. Just really excited to be giving this information to our community because we have some options. And we have always been a people that have held hope in high esteem. But I am so hopeful that as these days pass and as you start to listen and as you start to imagine the changes that can happen with just a small tweak in which you're doing not an all in just a small tweak that this dollar cost averaging thing could really take hold and you could get 
prayerfully addicted to being a dollar cost averager. I love it. I absolutely love it. It has changed my thinking. Uh, it has changed the way that I move. It changes the amount of times I'm in a Starbucks line because I want to dollar cost average my way into an entire Bitcoin. And I plan on doing that. And part of that, again, uh, as I say, is dollar cost averaging. But it's a mindset change. And so we're going to work on that as well. And as I am going to say every single day, a DCA, which is a dollar a day, a DCA a day keeps poverty away. And so I'm excited about that. So what can your church do to DCA? Dollar cost average. Well, once we get the education going and your church decides whether they want to do an endowment fund or just put it in their treasury or however they want to hold it and we help them get set up, there are a couple of different things that the church can actually do. Once the 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 leaders decide that they're going to put away, let's just say $100 a month in Bitcoin, what we would do is help them get set up on a wallet where the church could actually set it and forget it. So no matter what, every single, let's just say every single week, they decide they want to do $100 worth of Bitcoin. They can go on and get a wallet. Now they wouldn't necessarily get a wallet from a place like uh, the Black Wall Street wallet because uh, it's it's a commercial, it's a business, a commercial, your church is a company. And so there's corporate accounts that have to be done. But we can do that uh, on other exchanges such as my own exchange. We can make sure that you have a corporate account and that's what we do. But uh, they would set it up, we would set it up with them and then we would help them every single week acquire that $100 in the name of the church with the church's um, uh, KYC, know your customers. So that's the, the church's EIN, the church's articles of incorporation. All of those things would have to be put in place just like it has to be for a person. So that's what the actual process looks like for those of you that want to know that. So today, because we are dollar cost averaging, I am going to open up my Black Wall Street wallet. If you have not downloaded it, it's in your Apple store, your Android store. It is purple and black. The Black Wall Street wallet. I am going to hit the, the two purple arrows. I am going to click buy Bitcoin. And today, which is March the 3rd, I am going to buy my $6 worth of Bitcoin. I'm going to hit continue. Today, the price of Bitcoin here is $42,025. Uh, $258 and I'm going to just buy $6 worth, which is my fractional uh, part of a Bitcoin called a Satoshi. I'm going to confirm it and I have just purchased that. And ladies and gentlemen, I have dollar cost average today, uh, just as I had every day that I've been on the air. And we're going to do this for the next year. So with that, when we come forward, please stay tuned for the D.L. Hughley Show. We are making way. This is KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.